T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. It is Dan Day, and I'm going to be along with you for this journey the next 45 minutes or an hour or so. So thank you for joining us for some of the best of. Of course, you can follow me and get some of my best of thoughts on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. On the way, the Joe Rose Show. Speaking of best of the Joe also, the man, Dan Lebatar, going to be talking NFL officiating and the useless sound montage. And Stephen A. Smith taking a stand on a lot of different things, especially his love for Aaron freaking Rodgers. So we're going to dive into that in just a little bit. But right now, we are diving into those headlines. Jaron Williams was back throwing with the quarterbacks at today's practice. The Canes take on Georgia Tech Saturday at noon here in Miami. Green Bay pulled off a last-second 23-22 win against Detroit on Monday Night Football. The Dolphins play in Buffalo Sunday at 1. Tyler Hero scored the team's first 14 and finished with 23 points in the Heat's 120-87 win over Atlanta last night. Miami is 3-0 in preseason play. They play again Thursday at 7 in Orlando. Last night in the NLCS, the Nationals took a commanding 3-0 series lead, defeating St. Louis 8-1. The two play again tonight at 8. Today at 4, it's Astros-Yankees with their series tied at 1. The Panthers scored five unanswered goals yesterday in a 6-4 defeat of New Jersey. Florida plays again Friday against Colorado at the BB&T Center. The U.S. men's national team is back in action tonight at 7.30 against Canada and CONCACAF Nations League play. FloridaHSFootball.com has six Miami-Dade slash Broward County teams in the state's top ten. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> An Irishman recorded a message of, Let me out of here! It's dark in here! to be played while he was being lowered into his grave. Good prank, but at what cost? Aubra Levine recently posted her promotional Chinese phone number on Twitter. The only problem? It's also the number of a man who lives in China's Hunan province. Oh, Avril, why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? A family of seven was recently discovered in a Netherlands cellar living out the quote-unquote end of days. They had supposedly been bunkered away for years. It's the end of the world as we know it. Sort of. Okay, enough of my musical stylings. Now on to weather brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast has partly cloudy skies with temperatures around 80. Win a brand new $45,000 Mercedes-Benz at Hylia Park Casino. Get free entries every Saturday and earn more entries playing slots every day now through November 30th. Grand prize drawing Saturday, November 30th. The Joe Rose Show gets you up in the morning like a good cup of Joe should. They also... Give you all the football information you need, especially this time of year. After all, Joe Rose, he played for the Dolphins. Earlier, they were talking with Tony Pauline. This guy knows everything about the draft, so doing some early drafting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Dolphins fan, you kind of have to get ready for that. How to evaluate guys maybe that have less talented teams. No tanking for Burrow. Top five quarterbacks if the draft were today. 
the unsexy O-line and D-line picks that the Dolphins are going to have to do, plus two a number one for the Dolphins? Hmm. Tony Pauline, friend of the show, going to join us now, host of the Draft Analyst on the Believe Podcast Network and analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com. Tony, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm okay. Thanks for having me. Tony, thanks for coming on. Um, and uh, I, I got to apologize ahead of time because I didn't think it was going to be this early in the season that we're going to be <laughs> reaching out to you about the draft. So I'm sorry, Tony. This usually takes place in late November, December, man. So I apologize. But uh, it's pretty obvious the Dolphins are, are taking a quarterback. Uh, I think everybody sees that. I uh, I was wondering, Tony, just in general, we've talked about the same. You know everybody's on that tank for Tua thing down here. But I, I was wondering, how do you evaluate the guys that aren't on great teams that don't have a lot of talent around them, a guy like Jordan Love at Utah State or, or somebody like that, or even Fromm doesn't have the weapons that Burrow has and Tua has. And So how do you go about trying to figure out? Because we look at those sexy numbers and Tua's throwing to all those first-round picks and he's throwing for 900 yards and three quarters. How do we evaluate them all? Never mind the fact that you know his running back core goes three deep and he's got a great offensive line. And, you know, it, it's funny. The opposite is just it, it can sometimes be just as difficult how do you uh, how do you properly evaluate Tagliavoa? You know, re- really with all that great talent around him. But but to answer your question, you know, a guy like Jordan Love uh, from Utah State, who I, I've always I've had great as a first round pick for the longest time. You're looking at more of his upside, what he's going to be, what you can potentially turn him to be once you get the proper tools around him, once you get him into an NFL passing system. The thing about Jordan Love, the thing that you want to see with a guy is that he makes good decisions. And Jordan Love makes good decisions, that he's not relying on arm strength to make passes, you know, to force the ball into coverage. And Jordan Love doesn't do that. And that's the thing. I think Jacob Fromm is a little bit of a different case. He's a little bit smaller. He had good weapons at him last year. I don't think he's as accurate as a guy like Jordan Love. Okay. Um, but really what you're looking at, you want to look at the physical skills, and you want to make sure that the guy's making plays with his head as well as making plays with his, just his arm strength. You scare me on the whole development thing, though. I, I'm looking. So, so I, I got a crush on Joe Burrow. I mean, well, I just the, get right to thing, it. The development thing is with any quarterback. I, I mean, you know, you, you see the, you see Sam Darnold come in with immediate returns. You see uh, Daniel Jones with the Giants. Right. But any quarterback is is going to need development. Right. No. No. You got. You're right. And you can learn at the next level and, and everything else. So I got a little crush on on Joe Burrow. I, I think he's come on strong here. Uh, I don't know where you have him, but is there any shot that Joe Burrow? Keeps playing the way he's playing. He could be the first overall quarterback. Uh, highly unlikely. I okay. mean, I would be shocked. He came right. into the season graded as a six-round pick. Could he be a first-round choice? Absolutely. Could he be the first overall pick? No. But that's probably be, that's in large part because there's so much uh, so much incredible talent at the top, or so much really good, potentially good talent at the top of the quarterback position with Tagliavoa, with Jordan Love. Justin Herbert has fallen off some. I mean, if you're a fan of uh, Joe Burrow, you got to like what Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma is doing uh, because he's, have, he's having an outstanding season. So I, I think that Burrow could move into the first round. I don't think he's going to be a top, uh, at least right now, he's not going to be a top 12 pick. I mean, LSU's got a pretty tough schedule ahead of him. They've got some pretty good uh, defenses, and then you're going to want to really watch and see how he does against Alabama, which I believe that game is uh, the beginning of November. And if he's able to keep the momentum going and he's got that, uh, you know, he basically doesn't take the pedal off the metal. He has a good senior ball. He could go very high. I just don't think he's going to be the first pick of the draft. So, Tony, right now you're way too early. Top five quarterbacks in order or what? <laughs> no, I'm just – because everyone's got a different top, you know, couple. Everyone's got this guy ranked one or this guy. But right now your kind of top five is what when it comes to the quarterbacks coming out? 
or you think are coming out? I think uh, Taglia Velo is number one. Jordan Love is number two. Justin Herbert's number three. Jalen Hurts is number four. Then Jacob Eason of Washington. Although I will say, probably after this week, Eason's probably slid a little bit, and uh, Joe Burrow's moving up. Wow. So you you've got Jordan Love too. Tony, boy, you're going out on that one. You see that, you know, and, and again, he plays against LSU where you don't have the same kind of talent. You got no shot and you don't put up good numbers. And I got people going, I'm done with Jordan Love. I saw him against LSU. And I'm like, yeah, Utah State's not playing with LSU talent. There's there's no question. Do you think this is a strong overall quarterback class? I think it's very. I think it has the potential to be very good. And, and don't forget, you know, that LSU secondary is as good as most secondaries That's in true. the NFL. I mean, they got they got two uh, first rounders in there. One guy is going to be a top fifteen pick. They got a freshman in there that's potentially going to be a top fifteen pick down the road. They got another uh, junior that's going to be a second day pick. So that that is an NFL secondary. But I love love. I, I love love. There you go. Uh-huh. I, I you like love to love. That's good. We there love when you go. like that, yeah. Tony. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's athletic. He makes plays in and out of the pocket. I think what he's done this year, and you go back to the game against Wake Forest, the first game of the year, I think because of the fact that he doesn't have the talent around him that, forget about Tagliavoe at Alabama, he doesn't have the talent that Justin Herbert has at Georgia, even Jake Fromm has at Georgia, I think he's just pressing too much. I think he's trying to take too much on his shoulders, which is uh, which is certain. Plus, there's also been a change at the, in the head coaching uh, department at Utah State, so it's a, it's a bit of a different offense. Tony, offensive tackle, uh, left, right tackle, whatever it may be. It's going to be <laughs> priority here for this team, obviously. We took, we got priority number one out of the way in quarterback, but tackle's going to be another one. How deep is it uh, first round, second round, third round with those tackles? The talent is there. It's just a matter of which underclassmen enter the draft because, uh, as I reported on Pro Football Network a couple of times uh, last month, it, it, the word I'm getting is Tristan Wirfs, who would be the, the highest-rated tackle and he's from, he's from Iowa, is very likely, or he's leaning towards going back to college for another year. His family is giving uh, signs that, you know, this is the direction we're going to go if he enters the draft. But right now, you know, he's, he's got his heart set on returning to Iowa because he's, just, he's an academic kid. He likes academics and he likes the school. Uh, it just, he just likes school. So, so that is one tackle that may or may not be in the mix. And then you've got Walker Little, Stanford, who probably would have been the third-highest-rated rated, third rated tackle before his injury. We don't know if he's in, he's going to enter the draft. If all the top tackles enter the draft, uh, regardless of assume Worfs enters and doesn't go back to school and Walker Little's healthy, you're talking about five, maybe six potential first round prospects wow. at the position. Wow, that's uh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, you know what? It seems to be Tony. You watch the NFL for a living. It seems to be a real shortage of offensive linemen. I hear more complaints from every team going, "Yeah, we're shorthanded. Oh, we got one injury. We're really down. Our offensive line's not where it needs to be." And I hear we hear it almost every week. Does there seem to be a shortage of offensive linemen in the NFL right now? I think what happens is, is you know, there have been so many. First of all, what happens is your best athletes, your big guys on the college level, are put on the defensive line. They're not made offensive linemen. And then what happens is, is with the offensive linemen, they're poorly coached on the college level. You know, they're not taught proper fundamentals. It's not, you know, set with a wide base, bend your knees and get your hands up. It's just get your hand, get yourself comfortable. Lock on the other guy and make sure you block him. So I think the problem is, is number one, your better athletes, as far as your 300-pounders, are put on the defensive line in college. And then they're not uh, taught proper to block with proper fundamentals, which does not translate well to the next level. All right, and the other one Zach was getting ready to ask you about. So let me see. We hit our – we got a bunch of needs down here, Tom. We hit quarterback tackle. and tackle. Those are one, two. We, oh, we need a pass rusher. Right, right, right. We need a one-on-one difference maker, a guy to put pressures and sacks. 
What do you got out there? As, as, as does most of the league. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Uh, you know, the fact that it looks like they're going to have two early first-round picks, if, depending on what happens with, with, uh, with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yeah. you got Chase Young at Ohio State, who's going to be a very early selection. Uh, you got Julian Aquara of Notre Dame, who's probably going to go land in the bottom half of round one. Same thing with Yator Gross Matos. So I, I think what they may look at is with that uh, probably that third uh, first-round pick, uh, that's where they may be able to get their uh, their pass rusher. Uh, and again, we're just projecting here because it's so far in the future. You know, you, you probably go maybe quarterback with that first pick, offensive tackle with that second selection, and then uh, with that third selection round one, you, you take a pass rusher. Is this a good overall draft, by the way? It potentially, if the underclassmen come out, which I don't understand why they wouldn't, they're going to be first-round picks, but how's it look? I think overall solid. I don't think it's, it's anything spectacular. I think what's going to happen is you're going to read in the media how much people love it because of the fact that there, uh, you know, there's a good amount of quarterbacks, and unfortunately what goes on is people who don't follow the draft year-round year gauge the strength of the draft based on the quarterback class. It's a good tackle class, which uh, scouts like, which teams like to see. It's a very mediocre cornerback class. It doesn't look like it's going to be that great of a cornerback class, especially at the top. And that's really how they gauge it. That's how they gauge it between the tackle class and the cornerback class, as well as the pass rushers. You got a few good pass rushers there, but after Chase Young of Ohio State, it really falls off a lot. If you were the if you were the GM of the Dolphins with the number one pick, would you take Tua? Um, Boy, there was a long pause there with Tony. Did you hear that? He's thinking about it. My whole thing. the Dolphins is I'd rather you got to put Josh Rosen and see what you have or what you don't have with Josh Rosen you made the move for him you got him at uh, a discounted value put him on the field you know just as long as you're not getting the crud beat out of him see what you got with him first and and then make your decision there Uh, you know Tagliavoa, a lot has got to be played out. He's he's had some bumps in the road. He's a terrific quarterback. I think I think he's more than just a system guy. I do think he's got the talent. I think he's got it going on between the ears. I think he's got a good amount of upside. A little bit smaller. You have you have to wonder. You know, you got to does your offensive coordinator like the smaller quarterback? You know, I, let's wait and see how uh, how it's going to be played out. I'm not sold on him being the first pick of the draft. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. That was uh, that was pretty interesting. Okay. By the way, the Josh Rosen thing, Tony, you're watching that. One of my complaints when people get on him and and stuff is it's it's hard to look good sometimes with this offensive line. He got pounded in the first quarter. One of the worst first quarters of offensive pass protection I've ever seen. How do you evaluate a guy through all that? And then he did make some bad throws and bad decisions. But how hard is it to evaluate when you go through that? It's impossible because you know what happens is the guy gets as we used to say, as you know, the work cabin fever. I mean, he gets gun shy. You know, Correct. he's going to get pounded back there. He starts moving his feet when he shouldn't. He starts looking for pass rushers more than he is for receivers. So you're right. It, it's a very tough thing, and you can't fully, you know, you can't fully expect to, to uh, properly, uh, properly scout a guy like that. In that sort of situation, um, it, it's near impossible. By the way, I'm with you because it sounds like you like Josh Rosen. I, I don't know what he's like in the meeting room. A little di- bit different guy overall from, from some of the guys on the team. I get that with Fitzpatrick on this team. But, man, he's got some talent. He can throw the football. I Tony, I see what you guys see in him. J- Josh, he was a first-round pick for a reason because he's made some throws that you go, wow. And, and you're right. I don't know what he's like in the meeting room. But you got to say so, I got to say this about Josh Rosen. And I was one of those guys who were, was reporting about his different personality through the 2018. Oh, it's a little process. different. I'm just telling yeah, you. Know, <laughs> but, but the fact is this. You know what? When that whole situation was going down in Arizona last year with, with the Kyler Murray and that they were going to take yeah. Kyler Murray, and he, Josh Rosen 
shut his mouth. Yeah, Josh he Rosen wasn't complaining. Yep. He wasn't. He wasn't demanding a trade. He was like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and I'm going to adjust to it. You got to give credit where credit is due because I, I thought that was. I thought that showed a lot about Josh Rosen last year. Tony Pauline, host of the Draft Analyst on the Believe Podcast Network, also analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com. We appreciate your time as always. Tony, yeah, you held up pretty well. Tony held up well for the team that could have the first overall pick. It's looking real strong, so thank you. Thanks for having me. Loving the Joe Rose Show analysis, especially on the draft. Will Tua be the Dolphins' number one pick? If the Dolphins even get that number one pick, interesting to see Tony Pauline say, Mm, long way to go. Hopefully, it'll be a good ride at some point for the Dolphins. Of course, no matter how the ride, smooth or bumpy it may be, Joe Rose Show's going to get you taken care of. It's always smooth with the Dan Lebetard Show. You can hear Dan, the man, and his crew right here weekdays from 10 to 1. We're going to hear from them next on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I happen to be Dan Day, getting ready to run out to Duffy's like I do on Tuesdays over there in Plantation University to host trivia, but got to share some best of with you first, like Dan Levitard's best of. Dan's still on that honeymoon. Ooh, I don't want to get into all that, but he and his team, they always got something special for you. Earlier, they were talking to Field Yates about NFL officiating. Also, officials at many mistakes, maybe that could bring some trust back to the game. That useless sound montage, which I love so much, plus no John Fox love. So, Field Yates in studio with me and Diana Rossini. Diana in, uh, filling in for Levitar today and tomorrow. Uh, we were talking during the break. Good to see you, by the way. Hello. You look perfect. Treat. Oh, God. No, you, I mean, Diana, you you're not, me. not a hair out of place. The skin is amazing, he has right? no pores. It's unbelievable. Do you know how much money women spend to get rid of our pores in our faces <laughs> and you I, just I, show like, up like I this? Do I owe you guys money for these compliments? Like, I feel <laughs> like I don't deserve do this. Do you drink a lot of water? Uh, I drink a lot of water, yeah. I can tell. What are you at, like 2% body fat? Uh, I you know, I'm not quite DK Metcalf, um, right. but I'm working on it. Very not comparable. quite DK Metcalf Very in a comparable. lot of ways, to be to be clear. <laughs> right. And how uh, you were recently uh, married. Yeah, I like, so this was great. So Stugatz and I saw each other in the hallway, and he he came up to me, and before we embraced, he <laughs> stared down at my left left hand. He was like, let me just make sure there's actually still a wedding band on there. I'm like, no uh, no change of heart from the old wife. Stu looks at it like the, the way you would look at a woman's engagement ring. Like, yeah. oh. it, was, it was confirmation, right? Like, yes. oh, just making sure nothing's gone awry, oh. you know? So you know that I was going in for the hug, but you did notice that I tipped my head You're down like, to make sure the ring was still on. Make sure that ring is there. <laughs> I, okay. I learned this about Stu. You're a big hugger. I love hugging. Big, yeah. big hugger. I Not mean, only that, I'll man. announce that I'm going to hug you before I'm going to hug you. That's what I'll do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not creepy at all. No, I like to hug. I mean, no, it is. It is. That's what I love about you. And I like to be hugged. Um, but no one likes to hug me, so I just <laughs> hug everyone. Uh, we were talking during the break, and yeah. we're going to spend some more time on air this week, and I'm looking forward to that, so we can get into uh, your marriage, my best man speech for your marriage. <laughs> Goldsby, your best friend ever. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but I want to, uh, you were talking about the officiating last time, and I thought you made a really great point where the officials, they have to know some of these calls they're making are wrong. And what harm would it cause if they came out and said, hey, got it wrong? Apparently, the NFL's mindset is if they come out and admit that there was a wrong call, that that just stokes the flames even more, which I understand there is an element of that. The NBA has this two-minute report where they come out and they they say, hey, here are the calls that were wrong or that were correctly called on the floor. And sometimes when you admit a wrong call, it does nothing but pour more salt in the wounds. Here's what I would say, though. I think right now there's a lack of trust between fans and 
and officials on the field in the NFL. And I think more transparency and accountability is really important. We ask for that from teams, from players. We ask for that accountability day in and day out. And I think that if you came out and admit some error on some of these calls, I get it. The outcomes, they don't change. But I think that accountability is present. I think a little bit of trust can be built. And moreover, I think it's actually in some ways less about the fans and more about teams. You know what these coaches and players can say about bad officiating after the game? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Baker Mayfield after the game on Sunday said like, I'm probably going to get fined by saying this. That, like, I don't remember the exact quote, yeah, but I thought yeah. it was a real, relatively harmless thing that he said. And if he gets fined, that stinks. If Matt Patricia comes up there after the game last night and blasts the officials for two terrible calls on Trey Flowers, you know what happens? Probably a 50 grand, probably 25, 50 grand fine. I think that officials taking accountability for their errors, which it's a human element of the sport. I think it will be important for teams and important for fans. Diana, listen, what we do every week is, or what you do every week, every weekend, is you cover an NFL game. Mm-hmm. And multiple reporters in multiple cities for all different networks, they are all covering these games and they are they are racking up just sound, sound, just getting sound bites, sound, send back to the network, sound, say something into a microphone, send it back to the network, right? Yep, do it every week. And how much of that sound, if you were to pie chart it, how much of that sound is actually useful? Point zero one percent Which is exactly why we do something every week called the useless sound montage. Well, we've dug ourselves in, in a hole here. Uh, I still believe in this football team. Uh, we dug ourselves in this hole, and I believe we'll dig our way out. It's a clean slate. We're 0-0 right now. You're really going from series to series and play to play. The end result is what the end result is. Professional football buildings are filled with competitive people. We just play them when they're on the schedule and hopefully we win. So I just try to play the game, you know, like an executive in a three-piece suit. But whether we lost by one point or we lost by 100 points, there's always something you can take from every game. Give them credit. They made more plays than we did. They won the game. It's better to look at the film and say, you know what? We're not playing well after a win than it is after catching a L. No, I can't I can't say the team is affected by a crowd. No, the crowd doesn't play. We're not the only team that's ever been in this boat. Not the only team in the league right now that's in this boat. We know that you're going to have to right the ship. You have to make sure you get this thing going the right way again. I don't have a crystal ball, if that's what you're asking. It's a gut check. It's a, you know, are you who you say you are? Throw the damn ball away. You avoided one. You might have avoided two. You ain't thrown it anywhere. Throw it away. You know, we missed Diggsy on that post at the end of the half. Thought about apologizing to him, but apparently that's not the way to go around here. So I guess my days of apologizing to people are over. Tell Jasmine and Cinderella that I think they're all beautiful and they're great actresses. Because you're living in a fantasy world, man. I've never been disappointed with how hard our guys fight. But we got to find a way to make more plays than the other team and win the game. you take silence from that? No. No. I don't. I don't. A long time ago, Chuck Noll taught me it was okay to point fingers. You just have to know when and where to point them. If things aren't going well, uh, you point them right at yourself. We never got discouraged. We kept fighting. We kept pushing. We kept encouraging. Well, you say let's get back to it. Let's stick together. And let's find a way to do it. I think we've played better at times than two and four, but the fact is we are two and four. That's the biggest part about this locker room. Kind of don't even look at the scoreboard. We, uh, you know, play 60 minutes and we play every play. And then towards the end of the game, that's when we kind of look at the scoreboard and see what's what's going on. You know, it's funny that I was just in the shower with Sam. 
you know, not like that, but we're talking. We're talking in the shower, and he's right next to me, so let's clear that up. Billy, uh, I think we had the same thought at the same time, and it was the second we heard John Fox's voice. If, sports Center. If we don't get him to do a Sports Center this week, this trip was a total waste. Total failure. You can yes. get Foxy to do it. Foxy's great. You He'd can, be good at it, too. You, you can get him to do it. You can get Foxy to do it, yes. Foxy me and you it. can get Foxy to do it. We'll get Foxy to do I it. I don't know if you're aware of our show's relationship with John Fox because it hasn't been glowing praise over the years. Let right, but say. let's be honest. When we say the show's relationship, we mean Dan's relationship. Why? Right? What has Dan said about him? Well, I don't know if Dan really said anything negative about him. I'm not even certain how this, how the feud... St- is there a feud? I wouldn't call it a feud. John Fox doesn't like us? Is that the deal? I think that the first day that he was on ESPN, we already had oh, a meeting right. about things that we... Had said yeah. about Mike, John Fox. Mike, uh, you have something on this? <laughs> yeah. His first day, Dan yeah. said something, and I had a meeting about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's leave it right there. But Foxy, Sports Center update. What do you think? 1230? Seven minutes? Call in. Is he around? I mean, Dan Lebitard eventually going to get off his honeymoon and get back in the studio doing things. In the meantime, I think his team doing a pretty good job. John Fox probably not going to be jumping into the studio with Dan Lebitard and the guys because it seems like not a lot of love there. But that useless sound montage, you got to love that. It's useful, after all, to make me smile and feel good about some of the NFL players and press conferences that oftentimes really do go unused. Up next, Stephen A. Smith, every word he uses is very useful. He's man-crushing on Aaron freaking Rodgers. Plus, he's got something to say about China next on the Best of the Joe Show. You're listening to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hopefully, you're having a good Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday always better than Monday. I am Dan Day. I don't know if I'm better than a Monday or Tuesday, but I'm here with you. And that's making me feel really good. Had a messed up stomach earlier, but I drank some green tea here at the radio station and everything seems to be A-OK. Plus the green tea, not only did it settle my stomach, it helped my vocal cords. And those vocal cords are strong on Stephen A. Smith. You can hear him weekdays right here from 1 to 3. You know he's got an opinion on everything. He really does love Aaron freaking Rodgers, though. He talks a little bit about that. Also, possibly, is Green Bay the best team in the NFL? Plus, he's defending LeBron James and Daryl Morey on China. And King James seems to just know when and where. For the record, it is time for me to get into what transpired last night. Monday Night Football between the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. First thing I want to say is this. I got to give props to Matt Patricia because the Detroit Lions, the more I watch them, the better they look. It's time for somebody to give the Detroit Lions credit, even though this might not be the ideal day to do it because they did lose a damn game, if we're being fair. They did lose a damn game. Here's the reality of the situation. When you look at the Detroit Lions last night losing to the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, you can look at it and you can sit up there and say the Detroit Lions fought valiantly, lost 23-22 by one point, two penalties against Trey Flowers. Wasn't a head shot, wasn't a neck shot, moved by a defensive lineman or a linebacker in an attempt to attack the passer. You can look at two of those penalties, call it absolutely bogus, and say that may have cost the Detroit Lions the game all you want to. You can look at that. I would tell you this. I don't want to hear that. I would tell you right now, I don't want to hear that at all. If you watched this game last night, You should be reminded of the greatness 
of Aaron Rodgers. Now, Trey Flowers, they shouldn't have had those penalties called against him. They were relatively bogus. You up in the upper chest area near the neck, but not grabbing the guy literally by his neck, not grabbing him by his face mask. What's the problem? These are moves that have been allowed in in professional football for ages. It's just another piece of evidence to show how ridiculously soft the National Football League has become. Now, obviously, there's a lot of violence there. But the bottom line is, as I've said this on many occasions, I'll say it again. No headshots, no neck shots, no shots at the knees or below her. You want to tackle somebody, it has to be from below the neck, right down to right above the knee. To me, that's how you ensure the health of these players moving forward. I saw Ray Lewis cave dude's chest in on many, many occasions with a shot right to the midsection. Or the chest area. I don't see the problem. But when you want to talk about that determined the outcome of last night's game, you must not be paying attention to that bad man. That bad man. Aaron Rodgers. You see those dime pieces he threw? One to Scantling. The other to Lazard. To Lazard. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just reminded you of the greatness that we witnessed from this man. Watching this brother perform, he is something special. Yes, he can run with the football. Yes, he can move the chains. But this brother with the ability to just simply put a football wherever he wants to put it. I'm trying to figure out why the hell is ESPN showing up all of these highlights, ESPN News, showing all of these damn highlights, except for everything that I want to see. What did that over the head drop to Scantling? What about that dime piece down the sideline to Lazard for a touchdown? You see that? There you go. That's the highlight to show. That's a highlight. Ever heard of a highlight? I didn't want low lights. I wanted highlights. You see those dime pieces Aaron Rodgers throwing? That's the one to Lazard. Show me the overhead one to Scanlon. Show me that one. Because this brother right here, Aaron Rodgers, is so special, so underappreciated, so disrespected. I don't know how much more of this I can take. I know Patrick Mahomes is something special. I know Deshaun Watson is something special. I know Russell Wilson is something special. Tom Brady's the GOAT. I get it. But Aaron Rodgers, this brother is such a bad man. He's so special. It's just unreal, the level of disrespect and the absence of appreciation that is thrown in his direction. I can't stand any of you that talk about my man Aaron Rodgers. He is special. And he showed it again last night. Packers are now 5-1 and one on the season. And I can make a legitimate argument that they're the second-best team in football. At worst, third. I mean, we got two undefeated teams in the Patriots. And, of course, the San Francisco 49ers that can't be ignored, led by porn star Jimmy. We understand it. We understand it. Okay? They're undefeated. But we know porn star Jimmy is undefeated because of that defense. It ain't because of him. You can make a legitimate argument the same about Tom Brady because New England's defense is elite. But Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And as a history of showing you, he'll do whatever it takes. But in the case of porn star Jimmy, that defense in San Francisco, led by Richard Sherman in that secondary, led by Nick Bosa on the line, with them averaging, allowing 12.8 yards or 12.8 points per game, which is a league leading. I'm sorry, San Francisco and that defense is real and and cannot be ignored. But when you look at, at porn star Jimmy, he ain't the reason they 5-0. But you look at Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay, you talk about that defense, obviously, which has improved vastly this year. But Aaron Rodgers, with some of these dime pieces, is something special. It really, really is. Matthew Stafford didn't play a bad game either. 18 for 32, 265 yards, sacked three times, a quarterback rating of 83. But Aaron Rodgers, 24, 39, 283 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. That wasn't his fault, by the way. Hit the dude right in the face. Hit him right in the face mask and bounced off him for an interception. That wasn't Aaron Rodgers' fault. That was a touchdown. Jamal Williams running the ball effectively, 104 yards rushing. 
on just 14 carries? Got to give love and respect where it's due with that one. We can't ignore that. And Valdez scant and Scanling with that over the head catch, impressive. Jamal, I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you. Lazard, four receptions for 65 yards, impressive. But Aaron Rodgers, see, this is why you got to look at Green Bay. Because right now you can make a legitimate argument that Green Bay is the greatest threat to win it all. And I'll tell you something. Here's why. Because if they have a defense, do you really think you're going to keep a man down like Aaron Rodgers? You really think that's going to happen? You really, really believe that? Just tell me y'all believe that with a straight face. Just tell me where y'all believe that with a straight face. I don't believe it. I'm telling you right now, I don't believe it. Now let me transition to a subject that's near and dear to all of our hearts right now. It's important that we touch on this. LeBron James is back in the United States of America. His trip to China has come to an end. And obviously being on American soil comes with an elevated level of freedom that you didn't have in a communist country like China. And so because of that, the tweet that Daryl Morey sent out that spanned about seven words a couple of weeks ago that caused an international brouhaha. Daryl Morey, the general manager for the Houston Rockets, saying stand for, for you know, Stand for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong, the protesters. I'm not sure I said every word absolutely correct, but you get the gist of it. Fight for freedom. Stand with Hong Kong. That's seven words. Last time I checked. Nevertheless, Daryl Morey speaks, and obviously Adam Silver had to get involved. Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta had to speak out against his very own general manager, albeit refusing to fire him, and rightfully so. We support Daryl Morey in that regard. He did not deserve to lose his job. He is an outstanding general manager, and by the way, a good man. A good man. Daryl Morey's a good guy. He's not a bad person. He's not somebody we should be wishing unfavorable circumstances upon or anything like that. Nevertheless, I thought that he should not have done what he did in terms of sending out the tweet. I thought he could have been more expansive than that. Either speak out freely and extensively or shut the hell up. Very simple to me. You're an executive. You can speak more eloquently than a seven-word tweet. Nevertheless, the Nets were over there. The Brooklyn Nets were over in China. Uh, The Los Angeles Lakers were over in China. You had a lot of stuff going on. And LeBron James hadn't spoken on the issue in all of this time. There were people who were clamoring for LeBron James, the biggest basketball star on the planet, to speak out on these issues. And LeBron finally did yesterday. Extensively, I might add, at least to some degree. Here is what LeBron James had to say. I don't believe, I don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, but Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand. And he spoke. The, uh, the, so many people uh, could have been harmed. Um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be a lot of negative that comes with that, too. I think when we all sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen when you're not thinking about others and only on you only thinking about yourself. So that's my belief. Um, that's all I can say. I, I believe he was either misinformed or not really educated on the situation. Um, and if he was, then, then so be it. But I have no idea, but that's just my belief. When you say things or do things, if you're doing it um, and you know the people that can be affected by it and, and the, the families and the individuals and everyone that can be affected by it, sometimes things can be, um, can be changed as well and also sometimes uh, social media is not always the, the proper way to go about things as well number one i have a producer here by the name of jonathan winthrop he's not a punk 
He's not going to hide behind the camera and and not say it. He doesn't mind me putting his name on front street. He thought LeBron came across as considerably weak. Thought that LeBron James could have been far more outspoken. And if you're going to speak against freedoms and injustices right here about the existing in the United States of America, then you certainly can speak about freedom and injustices or lack thereof or lack of freedom and injustices that take place across the ocean, uh, particularly in China. That's John's position. Max Kellerman's position, my partner on our first take every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Standard Time on ESPN, basically accused uh, 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 LeBron James to some degree of selling out on the issue because he obviously felt that LeBron James should have been more outspoken. Let me tell you what Stephen A. thinks, okay? Let me be very, very clear about what Stephen A. thinks. I don't give a damn what none of y'all say. That includes Jonathan Winthrop, Max Kellerman, John Oliver, Mr. Late Night himself. I have, I've heard that he came at me. I don't know exactly what he said because I haven't seen the clip. Don't give a damn. By the way, John Oliver has a very good show. On a few occasions that I've had the pleasure of watching, he is an incredibly talented individual. And I have no problem with him coming at me. I'm a big boy. I can take it. And it's perfectly within his right to do so. You're going to sit in this chair. And you're going to cast judgment and aspersions upon people's actions on a day-to-day basis, you got to be man enough to take it. And I certainly have that kind of alligator skin. I can take it, all right? Sometimes I want to bite back. Sometimes I will bite back. I'll be damned if I won't. Sometimes I'll elect not to. Depends on what my preference is at a particular moment in time. But that's neither here nor there. Let me be clear about what I'm about to say. LeBron James was absolutely right with what he said. It's time for everybody to grow up. Everybody. LeBron James sitting up there saying, think about somebody other than yourself. I think when it comes to Daryl Morey, that's apropos. I'm not saying that Daryl Morey is thoughtless. I'm not saying that he's a misinformed individual or anything like that. Daryl Morey is one of the smartest dudes and one of the most decent people you'll ever find in this business. And I will defend Daryl Morey to the hilt as it pertains to his individual character as a man. He's a good man. That's not what this is about. When LeBron James used the word misinformed, you know what I think LeBron was alluding to? Damn it, Daryl Morey, you don't know we over there in this communist country? What the hell were you thinking about? That tweet couldn't have waited a week? You have to say something now and just throw us to the wolves? You didn't know how China was going to act? You haven't been doing business with China for the last 15, 20 years? Yao Ming didn't play for the Rockets? Under your stewardship? Yao Ming wasn't a star? Yao Ming, the president of the Chinese Basketball Federation? The Chinese Basketball Federation, whose relationship is synonymous with the Houston Rockets, who's cultivated a relationship with America and the NBA and the Houston Rockets spending 20 years that has everything to do with the proliferation of individuals employed in China, spanning in the thousands, helping to facilitate the generate, you know, the, the, us, uh, the ability to generate revenue in excess of $3 billion. You didn't know nothing about that, Daryl Morey. You didn't know how China would react. You haven't been doing business with them yourself. That's what LeBron James was saying. He ain't the only one doing business with them. James Harden ain't the only one doing business with them. There's a plethora of NBA players, present and former, who do business with the with China. The NBA has offices in China, have employees in China. Oh, by the way, so does Apple. So does Tesla. And a myriad of businesses spanning the hundreds. Oh, by the way, the same China that everybody wants to excoriate. How much money do we owe them in debt? Some people have joked around about hell, how they own us. Because we owe them so much damn money. So LeBron James is saying, how do you not know that, Daryl Morey? How do you not know or not be sensitive enough to the position that will put us in? This is China. They don't share our values. They do have a different moral compass than us. They might love their basketball, but we might talk about how some people need to shut up and dribble. China tells you to do that and dares you to defy them. See the difference? We don't know that. 
And then all of a sudden, in the world of business, we got people sticking out their chest at every turn. Oh, you should speak up. Of course, if you're an American citizen. Anytime somebody asked me a question about China, you know what I said? I'm an American. I'm a black man first, but I'm an American. And I support democracy everywhere. Period. I ain't apologizing for saying that. Adam Silver didn't apologize for saying that. At least they too. Daryl Morey, LeBron James, or anybody else should not apologize for saying that. But I'll be damned if I was over in China saying, I don't give a damn what anybody says. I support democracy everywhere. I guarantee you I'd leave. I'd wait until I got the hell out of there. I'm sorry. You think that, hey, hey, John, am I a punk? Hey, JC, am I a punk for saying that? Ladies and gentlemen, do I, do I need to jump up and down waving my hand? Stephen A's a punk. Stephen A's a setup. Yes, the hell I am. If that's what that meant. Um, you think I'm going to go to China saying that? I'm going to be in China, Beijing, Shanghai, wherever the hell else it is. I've never been over there. You think I'm going to go over there bloviating about democracy and human rights on their soul? You think I ain't going to wait till I get the hell up out of there? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. You want to call that being a punk sellout or whatever? Damn it. I'm going to say to you, that's all the nicknames you got. That's all. We can bring it home right here on American soil. Ladies and gentlemen, once upon a time, Not to say that it's still not a prevalent issue and still not an issue in our country. There was discussions about brutality on the part of police officers against young black men. Then they talked about how the hoodie issue because of the Trayvon Martin situation. And some wannabe cop, George Zimmerman, you know, shot Trayvon Martin. I still think his behind should be under behind bars for a long, long time. But that's a different subject for another day. Assuming he's still around with us. I don't know what his status is. I don't recall whether or not he passed away. He's still living or whatever. I apologize. And you know what I did? I totally agree. I totally applauded LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, the Miami Heat, Ray Allen, everybody else wearing their hoodies when that happened to Trayvon Martin. Totally supported it. But when my little nephew tried to walk outside with a hoodie on, I said, come in, man. Where the hell you think you're going? Because even though it's wrong to have the fear, it doesn't make the palpability of the fear any less. So you're going to go out there and risk yourself and risk your life to make a point when there are a myriad of other ways that you can make that same point. One has nothing to do with the other, but I'm using it to make a point and an example. Knowing when and where to do certain things matter. We got congressional figures and senators and beyond speaking about what individuals who happen to be athletes or a sports league should do, but they're politicians on Capitol Hill doing business with China every day. You got, you want to talk about LeBron James and how LeBron James needs to do certain things Jonathan Winthrop. Don't hide now. Don't hide now. LeBron James is coming across weak, and, and he hasn't spoken out enough. I don't hear Elon Musk speaking. I don't hear the head of Apple speaking. You got cats that are billionaires set for generations upon generations upon generations to come that make LeBron James money look like pennies, that employ far more people, are entrenched more in the fabric of America than he could ever hope to be, that are more powerful, more influential, and are connected to those who are even more powerful and influential than them. And ain't nobody asking them to stick out their chest and speak on issues. But I got producers here and people calling up to the radio show and people in newspapers everywhere and beyond. Oh, LeBron needs to do this and that. How come y'all ain't calling them out? Why they get to sit by quietly? Why this black man in his mid-30s who never ran for office, who don't have a damn thing to do with Daryl Morey opening his mouth, suddenly he's supposed to speak out, right? That's why we got the damn problems we got now. 20 years, 25, 30 years, 35 years. We're going to talk about how they act. But we got politicians and powerful elected officials in their 60s and 70s that don't know how the hell to act. And y'all don't say anything. Y'all full of you know what? Make me sick. 
can't stand y'all with your hypocritical tendencies. And I'm fully aware that LeBron ain't innocent in all of this because if you can't speak out against Colin Kaepernick, if you can't speak out on behalf of Colin Kaepernick and his quest and his causes, it would behoove you not to forget that when it comes to the issue of China. So he could have said something now that he was back on American soil other than pointing out Daryl Morey being misinformed. But I'll be damned if I expected him to say it while he was over there in China. Hell no. Shut your mouth. Get the hell up out of there. That's the smart thing to do. That is about a wrap for the best of the Joe Show. Stephen A. Smith, he'll be yelling at you tomorrow, but yelling with you more than at you. Always has some very, very good ideas and the way he puts his words together. His vocabulary is fantastic, so be sure to listen to him. Had the Joe Rose Show, had some Dan Levitard, had some Stephen A. Smith. Tomorrow going to be a Huckman Hump Day. We're going to feature the Huckman and Crowder Show. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's real simple, at Dan Day Radio. If you have any questions, if you need any details, I've got you right there. Of course, you can download the podcast for this show or any of the shows for absolutely free wherever you get your podcasts, the radio.com app, or you can simply go to our website, wqam.com. Just Google it. Just find it. Just download it. Won't cost you a thing. And it won't cost you a thing to tune in tomorrow at 6 o'clock for another edition of the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.